We're in a series called Spiritual Boot Camp, and what we're trying to do, and what we've been trying to do over the last four weeks, and this is our last week, is begin to take a look at our spiritual lives. Our, uh, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, and we look in the scripture, and it says you're to take up your cross, uh, that the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head, and you look at all these different things that we're to, to die to ourselves, and then I look at my spiritual life, and I go, man, I could take this up a notch, I think. And so what we've been talking about for the last four weeks is just questioning what do we look at when we read our Bible? How do we view fasting? How do we view our money? And all these types of things to kind of just kind of kick ourselves up and just say, man, is is this really what God has called me to do? Or could I, uh, as a friend of mine was talking uh, a few weeks ago, take one step uh, farther and one step deeper? I mean, can I I just kind of take it to the next level. And so we've been challenging uh, each other to these types of things. We challenged each other to fast one day a week for three weeks or four weeks. And, um, you know, I, I, I've heard lots of stories uh, of tragedy uh, when that we try to do that. Uh, and then we also talked about reading a half an hour in the Word. I mean, a half an hour of actual study in the Scripture. And then if you were really spiritual and you were already at a half an hour, um, to do a half an hour more. So uh, that's for your prideful attitude. Um, but uh, so this week, I'm going to be talking to you about a confession that I have. I've already talked to the president of the board about it, so he knows about it. But I have an addiction. I um, am addicted to uh, looking at websites of other churches. I can't stop. I love church websites. It started out in our denomination, just kind of looking at the different churches in the denomination, seeing what they're doing, trying to get to know the pastor a little bit. And then, and then I uh, just glanced at a Baptist church's website and just to see, you know, what do those people think? And, and, then, I, and then I started doing Presbyterian churches and um, and then finally some charismatic churches. But the thing is, um, I'm, I'm in counseling for this. My superintendent knows about it, and we're on a process to get me uh, uh, away from this. But in, in all honesty, I really like other church websites because I love the church. I love little churches, big churches, churches and it's so fascinating to me to go to a church church's website in like Idaho and then you look at the city and there's like only a thousand people in there it's like why do you even need a website you probably know everybody I mean it's just and and to see what that pastor's trying to give to his people and to see how they're trying to reach out and you go on other churches websites and they're doing massive campaigns for the poor and you go on other church websites and they have all this teaching uh stuff and they're People are just growing in the Lord, and it's just fantastic. And I look, and I, I see where their struggles are, and I try to get ideas, and I go, what are they doing for children's ministry and youth ministry and all this kind of stuff? I, I love churches. I love time. My dad pastors a church of 15 people. I mean, I, we have small groups in this church that are bigger than that. I love that church. I love big churches. I love churches, I know, I probably shouldn't say this, I like 20,000 member churches. I love huge auditoriums and lights and rocking bands and all that. And I, I love Gertrude on the organ. I love it all. 
I love the church. Here, here's the thing I want us to get this morning. That I'm hopefully after, you know, and, and again, it's boot camp, so I say some things that are kind of harsh, so I don't, I don't, if I offend some of you, I certainly would never, ever um, want to be uh, accused of that. But um, we, we are God's people. Now, th- this is all through Scripture, that God has a, a people God has people that identify with him and he identifies with them. And we are it. And here's the thing that's just so weird. This morning, this area is ordained by God right now. His people are gathering together. And when his people gather together, he uses them. God, we are God's people, and God uses his people. He works through his people. He is glorified by his people. And so, yes, there are some churches that doctrinally are totally off base. I'm not saying, you know, we're, we're, you know, we don't look at that. Of course we do. What I'm telling you is that the church of Jesus Christ is alive. It's alive here in the States. It's alive around the world. There are, when God's people gather together, things happen. We are God's people. That's phenomenal to me. What I want to do this morning is I want to kind of open this up a little bit and begin to think, if we're truly God's people, what should we be expecting out of church? What should we be expecting out of our worship service? What should we be expecting out of a church that's growing or a church that's not growing? And you know, Because again, you know, some of these churches in Idaho or, or, or Iowa or, or Ohio, <laughs> what did I, Idaho, Iowa, and Ohio, they're all the same to me, I'm from California, <laughs> like my map of the United States goes like California, and then the, uh, you know, these other <laughs> lines over, over those, yeah, so in Ohio, okay, like that guy is in a, in a, in a, in a town of a thousand people and, and God's people gather together in his church and the Holy Spirit is there and he's trying to get them to, oh man, it's awesome. We are a part of that. Even being in Living Spring in Garden Grove and the surrounding cities that we come from. It's amazing to me. And yet, oftentimes because of the way our culture is, we've begun to lose this identity and we've begun to think in terms of what we can get rather than what we can give to the church. And so we get upset about certain things. I I was in a church for, uh, a growing church for 10 years and I went through everything with that pastor. He made decisions I didn't like and he was right. He made decisions I didn't like, and he was wrong. He made decisions I loved, and he was wrong. He made decisions I loved, and he was right. And we were both wrong and both right or whatever, but the, the Holy Spirit was radically moving through that church. And so I've been, I've been on both sides of the pulpit, if you will, of just seeing God move and then also being part of a, uh, uh, the, the congregation and also being part of the clergy, if you will, although that, that's a frightening term. I want to show you a section of scripture that talks about what happens when Jesus is on the move and how this guy Philip 
began to talk to another guy, Nathaniel, and, and, and just kind of what it meant to him to invite him to Jesus. It's in John chapter 1, verse 43. It says, The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. That's the first call of Jesus, by the way, is to follow him. It's not to read your Bible. It's it's to make a decision. Listen, I've been born in sin. I have no way of having a relationship with God. And it's only through Jesus Christ that we can have that relationship. So Jesus says, Don't just accept me. Don't just say, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. Follow me. And he goes through and he gives a whole bunch of things of why that's hard because he wants that decision to be a serious one. But he says, follow me. So Philip, in verse 44, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael. And he told him something. We'll look at what he told him in a second. But this is, what, this is the process I see that happens a lot. You, all of a sudden, your life begins to change when you become a follower of Jesus Christ. And the people who are around you start going, dude, why are you spending so much time at that church? Why are you spending so much time at that small group? What are you doing? You used to be, uh, you know, you used to, Wednesday nights, you used to be able to come out, but now you're going and doing with some kids and, a, and a, practicing for a song. What's going on? Well, Philip goes and gets Nathaniel. And what Philip tells Nathaniel, we have to understand the history blows Nathaniel's mind. So you have to understand from this Jewish perspective, the Jews went through this period of, of God blesses them as God's chosen people and they begin to be blessed and they begin to follow after idols and they begin to get into comfort and they begin to start focusing on things that are not God. And so there's kind of a fall and God disciplines them. And then they cry out to God. They say, God, we have sinned against you. We want to come back. And they do. They truly confess their sin. And, and usually the law is read and there's all this great celebration and they start getting back to the things they're supposed to get back to. And God blesses them and then they begin to follow after idols and they get complacent and they begin to be selfish and then God has to discipline them. And the cycle goes on and on. Well, this is where we find the Jewish people when Jesus comes along. The Romans were occupying Israel. Okay, and so they wanted that done. The Romans were uh, high taxes. They were under complete control. If there was any little squirmish, any little uprising, they'd come in and squash it, killing all the people, doing all this great. So we see this when uh, Jesus is born, right? They find out, Herod finds out that there's a, uh, a king being born. He goes in and slaughters all the kids. This is the kind of thing they were under. And so they believed that there was going to come a time when a Messiah, this chosen one of God, was going to come in and liberate them from the Romans so that they could now go back to the way it was. Further, their whole religious system had been taken over by the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they were tying up heavy loads upon them with the law and burdening them. And we read about Jesus turning over the tables as they've totally abused the temple. I mean, these people were just dying for a savior. So Philip comes along and he says to Nathanael, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip goes to Nathanael and says, we found him. This is it. Let me put it in our context. It would be like me coming to you and going, I found the solution for your marriage. 
I found the solution for your finances. I I know how you're going to be delivered. It's Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. I'm telling you, here's what he tells him. Now, Nathaniel says this, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Church? You want me to go to church? I don't even understand what the Bible says. I tried to read the Bible. That ain't going to work. Your small group, that's creepy. What do you guys do in there? I loved Alex's use of the word creepy in worship. I think that's fantastic, right? Nazareth? What's going on? Have you, ever had, have you ever been talking to someone? Listen, man, Jesus can make all the difference. You are in sin right now. You can be delivered. You can be set free. You can have a relationship with God. And they go, church, I don't know. But Philip wasn't inviting them to Nazareth. He was inviting them to Jesus. And so what Philip's answer is, to me, if, if we can wrap our head around this, is so exciting as God's people. Because see, when we, when we get together on a Sunday morning and we get together in our small groups and you get together uh, on a men's ministry thing, a women's ministry thing, uh, uh, the thing I'm going to talk about in a little bit on this uh, Be the, ch- the Church has Left the Building, this whole thing that's going on, as we get there, the Holy Spirit is with God's people. And God works through His people. The church is doing great all over the country. Listen, this is Philip's reply. And Nathaniel doesn't have a good attitude, right? Here's what he says. Come and see. Philip doesn't say, Nathaniel, that is a bigoted and racist statement. Uh, You should be ashamed of yourself. You know, my uncle's from Nazareth, and this is a bad rap they have. Uh, He's very intelligent, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't talk about that. He doesn't, it doesn't say, and so Philip sat down, and beginning with Genesis, all the way through the minor prophets, he pointed out how Jesus was the, he didn't say that. He didn't say, well, fine then. Sit under your stupid fig tree for all I care. That's later in the story. We'll see it. Right? He just says, you got to come and see. you got to see what's going on. And see, for me, this is the joy of leading a church. We are God's people, all of us. And, and when you, if you could sit in my chair for a while, if you could hear the stories and get the phone calls... I can with joy just say, you got to come and see what's going on. This is why we have baptism behind me. So that, because uh, you got to see some of this stuff that's going on. That's the whole point of baptism. It's to say, man, there's bits of, I, I mean, we've, we had uh, three just in the last uh, month and a half or so, and with two of them were high school students. And I know both students. I'm not going to point them out. I'm not going to look at them. Uh, because, <laughs> Get me all teary. But listen, I, knew, I know them. I've seen the change. I say, you've got to come and see what's happening in our youth group. It's incredible. I heard a story. I'm not going to tell who it is. I'm just gonna, of these kids that have uh, befriended an atheist on their campus. And um, 
it just brought me so much joy to hear the story. It's the second day of school, and they like accosted him, and they said, hey, we're back, you know, and he's like, oh, no, but it's like, friend, and, and so they're going to invite him to a game night where we don't do anything but play games. Why? Because you've got to come and see what a love that's in this group. You know, Jackie was talking about our children's ministry. Guys, you've got to come and see. Why? Because God's spirit is moving amongst his people. I, I want to give you a, a chance to be able to get in on this. And it's, the reason we have these shirts on is because um, uh, I volunteered you all for something. Um, <laughs> By accident, uh, no, uh, it wasn't just me, it was our staff and, le- and board and the whole thing, it was a big process, so it, I wasn't, um, but uh, we're not going to have church on October 24th, we're, we're going to, it says the church has left the building, we're shutting the doors, uh, we're going to stand out there, so if there's new people, we're going to be like, yeah, we're, you know, we don't have church, we're crazy, um, but there's a section of homes that Garden Grove, our, the city we're in, has said, we want to revitalize that neighborhood, and we said, we'll do that, and then we said, because we got a little ahead of ourselves, and we'll pay for it, right? So don't give me that look, okay? You guys are all right. Just let me finish, okay? I not I, somebody, it's probably Cece, said we'll pay for it, right? <laughs> and then Cece says, no, now listen, you guys got to get this because it's so, she goes, wait till you see what we do. I, I'm like going, oh gosh. I'm like, I've seen these people work. I don't think we can do it, right? No. She says, we'll get 150 to 200 people there. I'm like, 100 to 250 That means we get those eight babies in the nursery. <laughs> They're going to be like sweeping, you know. Go, Put a broom on the back of them. I don't know. Now listen, so check this out. So these shirts, the reason I'm wearing mine is to sh- show you my amazing frame, but also to show you these are $15 because the shirts cost us 6 so we got to raise some money. And so imagine what would happen if 150 to 200 people show up in these shirts on this block where the city has given us 18 homes that we're going to be pulling weeds and painting and doing some code violation stuff. I mean, fixing some code violation <laughs> stuff. Because you, there's a, <laughs> I'm, I won't have anything electrical in my, I don't know, you know. Is the electrical on? Okay, there we go. Right, so, so, um, so we're going to pay for it that way. We're going we're gonna to ask for donations. We're going to ask for everything because here's the thing. This is a perfect example for you to say to somebody at work, you've got to come and see what's going on. Our church is going into a neighborhood, and we're going to try to do our best to just make a difference. Why? Because we're God's people, and God uses his people. It's just an exciting thing. And to just ditch church and it, it says, I don't know if I told you, but it says the church has left the building. That's what it says. Kind of like Elvis. <clears throat> okay. Uh, but here's what, this is what he says. He says, uh, come and see. I, essentially, here's, here's, what, here's what Philip is saying. I trust Jesus enough to handle all those issues. 
I don't have to make excuses. I don't have to do a whole long doctrinal statement. And yes, the word of God says we're to be ready in season, out of season. We're to, with gentleness and reverence, always have an answer. I get all that. But after that's all done, we just say, come and see what God is doing. He's doing some amazing things. You know, if you're in a small group, and, and, and in this September, we're launching 14 small groups. That's a lot for us. You've seen it in your small group. You say, come and see what God is doing as you see addictions being, uh, people being released from addiction and marriages being healed and all this great stuff. God's doing awesome stuff. He's on the move. You can say, come and see what's happening in my small group. Come and see what's happening in the youth. Come and see what's happening uh, as we revitalize uh, a place on this, uh, in this city. And, and then, so here's what happens. This is so awesome for Philip. John 1, 47, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here's a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. If you have the New American Standard, it says, in whom there is no guile. Right now, so Jesus is talking to this guy, and he's like, "Man, here comes Nathaniel. I mean, he's a true Israelite, in whom there's nothing false." Now, I don't know why Nathaniel said this, but he says, "How do you know me?" I wouldn't have said that to Jesus. Okay, Jesus says, "Hey, there's John. He's got no falsehood." I'm like, "Oh, you know me, huh? You know that I don't have any falsehood or any guile." Yeah, well, that's kind of a common uh, belief. I don't know why Nathaniel says this. But he says, how do I know you? Now, check this out. See, when you say, say to somebody, hey, come and see, Jesus doesn't disappoint. I don't know if you've ever invited somebody to church, but I, when I was on your side of the thing, I would invite someone, and every time the pastor was talking, I'd be thinking what that person I brought thought. About, oh, no, he didn't say that. No, don't talk about that. This guy hates that. Oh, no, money. Oh, he doesn't really talk about this most of the time. You see, uh, and the person's like, what are you doing? Leave me alone. I'm trying to listen to the sermon. Or, you know, there's drums, and you're like, oh, no, his mom was killed by a drummer. You know, you don't like, like, you know, like, all this stuff about this guy. (laughs) Oh, God. Watch. He says, how do you know me? Now, listen. Jesus says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, listen, when you read this and you go into like all these academic seminary books, everyone's trying to figure out what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree. Okay, some say uh, in that time in Eastern thought, that would be a normal place where you would go to have prayer. And so if Nathaniel's a guy who has no guile and there's no falsehood in him, this guy really knows about the nation of Israel and he's mourning and lamenting and praying, God, bring your Messiah, please. Other commentators say, no. That isn't what was going on. Under the fig tree, uh, he probably was um, talking to uh, Philip under there, and Jesus was kind of being sarcastic and saying, oh, there's no falsehood. And, you know, uh, I saw you under the fig tree talking about me, you know. Uh, I got you. There's something about the fig tree. Here's the thing. We don't know why. I have my own thought. I think Jesus was going, dude, I heard you under the fig tree talking about Nazareth. Why don't you? No, I'm just kidding. That isn't what happened. (laughs) We don't know, but here's the thing that's so freeing and so exciting. Nathaniel knew. Nathaniel knew there was something about that fig tree. There was something about the way Jesus connected with Nathaniel. Jesus doesn't just say to people, I saw you under the fig tree. You know, it's not like a typical thing Jesus says. He sees Nathaniel and he says, man, I know your heart. 
He says, how do you know me? Fig tree. Nathaniel goes, oh, fig tree. Now, maybe Nathaniel went, uh-oh, fig tree. You know, right? Or maybe Nathaniel went, fig tree. Saw me under the fig tree. Or fig tree. Oh, yeah, fig tree, right? I don't know. Jesus knows. And see, when we say to somebody, come and see, we just say, God, take over. I trust that you, this, we are your people and that you move and you work through your people. I trust you. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you before, but you, know, you leave with the person you invited and you're like, okay, I don't know how to break the ice or whatever. And the person goes, man, that was awesome. And you're like, yes, it was. You know? Or they say, or what happens to me sometimes is someone will come up to me after the service and go, man, I really got, that was amazing what you said about the Bible. And you know how I know it's not me? Most of the time, I didn't even remember saying it. He just, there was something that Jesus came and said, fig tree, your marriage, finances, whatever it is. And so we, we look through the scripture and we just see God moving and we say, come and see. And they come and they go, man, I was touched what that worship leader said. And I just, it just, man, did you feel that? And you're like, Yeah, I felt it. Now, can we look at church different? Can we look at ourselves? Can we look at each other and go, man, the Spirit of God has brought them here. God is moving through them. I don't even know them. See, because often what happens, you know, because we're at a growing church, there's two, let me just tell, I'm going to talk to two sets of people, and you guys will know who I'm talking about. If you're new here, this is your brand spanking first time new here, I know what you went through. It is hard to be a first-time visitor at a church. You first get on the website. You look, do they handle snakes? I mean, what is, you know, what am I going on? I, I, there's something, the Spirit of God has been pulling you to make a change in your life, and you're like, okay, I'm going to come and see, but first I want to get on the internet and do a little research. So you get on the internet, and you look at the website, and you look at the pastor. This is why I'm trying to take my picture off the website, because that, usually that's a deal breaker for everyone. And so you look, and you look at their statement of beliefs, and you're like, okay, what time are the services? How should I dress? How should I get there? And then you drive up on campus, and you're so like, oh, because you think everybody knows each other and they all know you're new. And so you walk up and you're like, you know. And here's the other thing I know about you. From the time you decided to come to church, you have an enemy, an adversary, Satan, that is constantly trying to get you not to come. Because he knows that you're going amongst God's people and that God uses his people. And so you come on campus and you try to find a place for your kids. You want to know, do they do background checks here? I mean, you're just trying to figure it all out, okay? Lisa and I visited a church when we were on vacation. I'm a pastor, and I was a little frightened. Just, I just didn't know what to do. I, you know, I didn't know where to walk and all this kind of stuff. And people are all high-fiving, and I'm like, they know I'm new. That's it. They're going to come attack me. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> they all know each other. I don't know anybody. I turned to... You know, greeted each other, and I turn around. The guy's like, "This is my first time." I'm like, "This is my first time." You know, it was just like this instant bomb. Right? And here's what happens to somebody who's been here for 15 years, because I've been in, there, in churches for 15 years. I know how you feel. You are deathly afraid to go to somebody who you think is new, because if you do, and you go, "Hey, are you new?" and they go, "No, I've been here two years. What's your problem?" <laughs> then you're like, "Oh man." But check this out. 
What if we saw each other as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, that, that we're actually God's people here, whether we've been here 15 years or 15 minutes, and we're celebrating what God is doing through our lives. And you just look and you just say, man, come and see. Come and see my marriage. Come and see my kids. Jesus, Jesus did it right. He said, fig tree, and that got him. Here's what he says. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. There's this revelation to Nathaniel. Man, Philip told me to come and see. I came. You mentioned that fig tree thing. Man, the spirit of God is already going. Now listen, watch what Jesus says. We're going to go back just a little bit. Check this out. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree. Listen, before Philip called you. Do you know what we are, church? We are a group of people who God saw before we were invited to church. All of us. We were a group of people that God saw when we had that family situation when we were kids. God sees when you were in your marriage and it's just barely hanging on. Before you were invited to anything, God saw you. Before you were, I mean, God, before anybody invited you, before you even came here, God saw you. Jesus sees you. And he says, so here's what he says. Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, your son of God, king of Israel, we got that. Jesus said, you believe because I saw you under the fig tree? Like, that's it? And he says, dude, that's nothing. Um, No, he says, you shall see greater things than that. See, guys, here's the thing. Before anybody in here knew you, God knew you. And he calls you into a personal relationship with him. He calls you into a, 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 um, a community of believers, a, a God's chosen people. And he says, come on, come and see. Check it out. So watch what happens. And you begin to see lives change. You begin to see baptism. Baptism should be a normal occurrence here. People coming to Christ, normal occurrence. Marriage is being healed, normal occurrence. Because we are God's people and God moves through his people. <laughs> 